Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to take your copy of the Word of God. Open, turn, click, swipe, however you can get there to Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew 1, verse 1 through verse 17 will be our primary uh, text this morning. It's so good to see you guys on campus, so good to see you online. Thank you for joining us for worship today. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 17. We're starting a new series called Together Through the Gospels. So I hope you've enjoyed journaling through Matthew chapter 1, 2, and a little bit of 3 this week. I hope that's been a blessing to you. So what we're going to do is as you journal every week, and if you haven't picked up your journal, you can pick one up today. If, if you, as you journal through the week, we are going to have a message preached on Sunday from that week. So I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit to point us to where he wants us to go. Today, we're in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 17, in a message entitled, uh, Today, the Genius of Jesus' Genealogy. That's the message titled today, The Genius of Jesus' Genealogy. Now, you may be wondering, why are we going through the Gospels? Why are we going through the Gospels together? Well, one thing I've seen this year in 2020 is we've had no shortage of drama. Amen. I mean, from drama or surrounding the coronavirus. By the way, if I were a superhero, like if I were Batman, you know, I, I wanted to be Batman when I was younger. If I was Batman, I would have given my identity away on day one of the mask mandate because I cannot remember to get my mask. I forget it all the time. So not only have we had drama from the coronavirus and everything surrounding that, we've had drama from you name it. From storms and hurricanes and wildfires and elections and rioting and looting and all these different social media, social injustice. I mean, you name it. Sports, are they going to play? Are they not going to play? I mean, it's just drama on top of drama on top of drama. I, I, I saw this last week. There was a plane that landed on 640 East in Knoxville, refueled and took off again. Apparently, there's a tiger allegedly loose in Knoxville. Has its own Twitter handle, at Knoxville Tiger. There's, there's been plenty of drama. But one shortage of all the shortages we've had, the one shortage that I believe is the most disheartening in 2020 has been a shortage of good news. Aren't you ready for some good news? Isn't it time to hear some good news? So together through the Gospels means that we're going to journal together through the good news. So I assure you of this, if you'll tune in, if you'll stick with us, if you'll drop by, if you'll log on, and you go through this with us together, you can no longer say in 2020 that I'm suffering from a shortage of hearing good news. You won't be able to say that, because we're going right through the good news of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Today, we're going to focus on the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew 1 through verse 1 through verse 17. So if you found your place there, would you say word up? All right, I'm going to lead us. You follow along. Verse 1, Matthew 1. Here we go. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. By the way, as I read through this, I want you to meditate on and think about, okay, uh, if you recognize a name and think back to the Old Testament account of, of, of their their family, their life in the Old Testament. So as I read that, just think, think through that. Here we go. Verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, 
and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Ubijah, and Ubijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Okay, now look at verse 12. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shiltiel, and Shiltiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Ahim, and Ahim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Father, we are so grateful that in our generation, we still have recorded for us all that occurred through all these generations that we've just read through. And all that occurred through these broken families and broken people is proof today that Christ is not against us. He is for us. And God, that brings me great hope as a sinner saved by grace. I know that my sin is not greater than your grace. And I know that my sin is not greater than your mercy. And God, that is comforting to know. Uh, Lord, I pray that every man, woman, boy, or girl will understand today their past has no hold on you. That you're greater than their past. That you're greater than their worst day. And you're better than their best day. And I pray that souls and hearts and eyes and men and women and boys and girls and husbands and wives and children and parents and grandparents and grandchildren would turn and look to you and be delivered today. Be delivered from whatever affliction they're facing, whatever sin has them caught up, whatever depression or fear anxiety has them knotted up. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Here we go. My soul, five reasons why the genealogy of Jesus is nothing short of genius. Just genius. Here's the first reason why this genealogy is genius. Number one, there is a real promise. Now we make promises all the time. And we break promises all the time. But this is a promise that has stood the test of time. A promise that has been made, kept, and delivered. And this promise is huge for us in 2020. 
For you, sir, and you, ma'am, it's huge. So let's look at this promise. Look at the very first verse of this very first chapter of Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, if you read this, you might be thinking, does Matthew not understand that if you're going to write a book, you need to begin with something that's going to grab the audience's attention, right? If you're going to author a book, write something that from the get-go grabs them and hooks them from the beginning. Why then does he begin this way? Why would you begin a book this way? I mean, this text is rarely read in public, rarely read in private. I just, I mean, come on, of all the scripts you memorize, have you ever memorized this scripture? You probably haven't. We don't know what to do with it. It's kind of like the story of the man who was asked to write a review on the phone book. Now, some of you don't even know what a phone book is. So just think about the contacts in your phone, okay? And a man was asked to write a review on the contacts in your phone or a phone book. And this was his review. Great cast, weak plot. Right? I mean, there's no plot here. It's just a list of names. Unpronounceable names at that. I did not pronounce one of these names correctly. Every one of them I pronounced incorrectly. I have no clue how to pronounce these names. But I read through it with confidence, and you think, wow, he knows what he's doing. I have absolutely no clue what I'm doing. I learned that when I went to Israel. You go to Israel, and you think Capernaum is pronounced Capernaum. It's pronounced in a way my tongue can't do. Okay, it just doesn't... You, you go to Israel, you'll be humbled on how you think you are to pronounce these names. So what do we do with this list of... I mean, what, what, what do we do with this? Why would he begin this way? Well, it's good for us to understand that Matthew is a Jew, or he was a Jew, okay? And he's writing to a Jewish audience. And he's writing to the Jewish audience to help them see that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. He's the king of the Jews. And so keep in mind, the Jews, the ancient Jews, loved genealogies. So from their perspective, you could not have begun this book in a more exciting way than this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. They would have stood up, danced, and run around the room. Why? Because they would have made a connection to Genesis chapter 5. You go read Genesis chapter 5. And in Genesis chapter 5, it begins with the book of the generations of Adam. And immediately they'd have made a connection. Oh, this is the book not of Adam. This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus. So right here, Matthew is preaching the gospel in the very first verse. This is what Matthew is saying. Hey, there's a second Adam. <laughs> hey, there's a, there's a second Adam who's come to, 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 to bring a, a new covenant and a, and a new family. Yes, the first Adam, all die through the first Adam. But praise God, the second Adam, all who believe are made alive. In the second Adam. And so he's clearly making a connection to Genesis 5 as he begins his book. And so he starts that way, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now genealogies were essential to the ancient Jewish culture for a host of reasons. Too many to list today, but I'll list a few of them. First of all, they used it to buy real estate. If you wanted to buy or sell real estate, the main document you needed was a genealogical record. Because land could not go from tribe to tribe. God set boundaries for tribes, and land could not pass over from tribe to tribe. 
So you had to prove you're in this tribe if you're going to buy this property. Also, for priesthood, you have to be from the line of Levi to be a priest. How do you prove that? Genealogy. Also, with heirship to the throne, had to prove it through genealogy. And even at Jesus' birth, in Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel begins in a very different way. And in Luke's gospel, uh, we have this picture of the birth of Christ where Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So why did Joseph leave Nazareth and go to Bethlehem with Mary who was pregnant and not in any position to, to, or status to travel? Why did he do that? Because he had to go to his hometown. How did he know it was his hometown? His genealogy. They were essential in, to an ancient Jew. So why is this genealogy here? A couple of reasons. Had to prove Jesus was a Jew. See, for Jews to worship in the temple, they had to prove their Jewishness. Gentiles couldn't worship in the temple, only Jews. So if Jesus is going to be the king of the Jews, might be a good idea he's Jewish, right? Probably so. Also, it needs to know he's from the line of the king, David's lineage, the royal lineage. That's why we have this genealogy. Also, to know that he is the one by whom all peoples in the world will be blessed, as God told Abraham. It's through Christ, Messiah, the anointed one, promised to come to set his people free. Jesus, the one who came to save his people from their sins. What a promise! And we have it right here. Now, Luke's genealogy is a little different than Matthew's genealogy. Luke's genealogy is Mary's line, and and Matthew's genealogy is Joseph's line. One is a royal line, one is a legal line. And there's some things that there's some discrepancies there. Some things are excluded in one and excluded in the other. I remember reading about in a an apologist uh, talking to a skeptic and they were eating fish and having a conversation and the skeptic was just hammering this guy, this Christian about, hey, how do you handle difficult passages? How do you deal with the lineage of, of Christ in Matthew and Luke? They're different. How do you deal with these difficult passages in the Bible? And he named several others. And, and, and the apologist, the Christian, he was just eating fish And he would eat the meat and push the bones to the side. Eat the meat, push the bones to the side. Eat the meat, push the bones to the side. And the skeptic kept on. How how are you going to defend? What are you going to do with these difficult passages? Here's what I do. I eat the meat of the gospel as he's eating the meat of the fish. And I push the difficult passages aside like bones and let fools like you choke on them. (laughs) Now we ought to be probably a a little kinder than that. Right? But here's there's no discrepancy in this. It's two different lines, Matthew and Luke. And I don't want to focus on what's excluded. I want to show you today what's included. And the first thing we see is a promise. Man, what a promise that we have. I imagine if you're old enough, if you're of the age where you can remember, you probably remember where you were, if you were alive and can remember, on September the 11th, 2001. You probably remember that. So I want to show you a timeline of that morning in the span of about two and a half hours that changed the world as we know it 19 years ago. 8.14 a.m., Flight 11 was hijacked. 8.42 a.m., Flight 77 was hijacked. 8.46 a.m., North Tower of the World Trade Center was struck. 
9.03 a.m., the South Tower of the World Trade Center was struck. 9.28, Flight 93 was hijacked. 10.59 a.m., the South Tower of World Trade Center collapsed. 10.03, Flight 93 that had already been hijacked, the cockpit was stormed by passengers and crew, and it crashed before it reached its destination of destruction. 10.28 a.m., North Tower collapsed. A little over two, two and a half hours total. Wow, how it changed our world as we know it. One of the most memorable moments for me after the aftermath of 9-11, not on September 11th, but after. October 30th, 2001. Game three of the World Series, our president at the time, George W. Bush, stepped out onto the mound, threw a ceremonial pitch. And that's just ever been etched in my mind, that photograph of him and that video of him throwing that pitch. And I've read recently about uh, our former president that he and Princess Diana and Winston Churchill are distant relatives, going all the way back to the 15th century to an English squire. In fact, former president George W., his royal roots go all the way back to the 12th century, to King Henry I, the son of William the Conqueror. Isn't that fascinating? That one of our American heroes can be traced all the way back to royal lineage. You know what fires me up about the genealogy of our Savior and our Lord Jesus? It's not that, that, that this one has come as, as simply the king of the Jews. He's not merely the king of the Jews. He is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. See, not only is he the son of David, not only is he the offspring of David and can be traced back to the throne of David, but he's the root of David. He is before David. Even Jesus himself said, before Abraham was, I am. He was before Abraham. In fact, that's why Jesus was crucified. Jesus was not crucified because he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No, the Pharisees, the chief priests, the scribes, they believed in one God, one way. They believed in Yahweh only. Right? That is not why he was crucified. Jesus was crucified because he said, I am. He said, I'm God. That's why he was crucified. And the truth is, he is God. And yet he chose to put on a suit of flesh and be included in the names with all of these broken people. Wow. Amazing. This promise has been fulfilled. Here's the second reason this genealogy is genius. Number two, there's real people here with real problems. Now, we don't have time to unpack all the dysfunction in this list of people. Folks, we'd be here all week. We don't have time. You think your family's a hot mess? Look, you hadn't seen anything. These group of folks are messed up. Look at the very first family. Abraham, the father of Isaac, and Isaac, the father of Jacob. Now, if you know anything about your Old Testament, you'd stop there and scratch your head and say, where's Esau? Esau was the firstborn. Where is he? The first family messed it up from the very beginning. It's all messed up. How, where is Esau? Esau was the firstborn. Where is he? You know what Esau did? Esau sold his birthright to his trickster deceiver brother Jacob for a bowl of lentil stew. 
a bowl of stew with no meat in it. At least put some meat in it. Please, no meat? Are you kidding me? You know, as I get older, I, I hear from younger generations, and uh, I, it's, it's interesting to me that one of the things I keep hearing is authenticity. Younger generations want transparency and authenticity, and, and, and I get it. I love it. I love being transparent, and I love the authenticity. I love it, love it, love it. But at the same time, some folks in, that same, in, in the same younger generation that say, man, we want to be transparent and authentic, and some of those are the ones that are trying to make meatless meat a thing. Like meatless meat is not a thing. It's either meat or it's not meat. And here is Esau selling his birthright for a bowl of stew with no meat in it. Man, you talk about messed up. And that's just one of these families. We, I can't go through all of them. We'd be here all day. But I do want to point out there's five ladies in this lineage. You have Tamar. You have Rahab. You have Ruth. You have Bathsheba and Mary. And these five ladies are the most unlikeliest ladies to be included in a genealogy such as this. In fact, ladies, women were just not included in Jewish, ancient Jewish genealogies. They go father, son, father, son, father, son. But here Jesus has in his lineage five ladies. The first is Tamar. What do we know about Tamar? Well, Tamar was married to Judah's son Ur. Judah was the grandson of Abraham. And his son Ur was married to Tamar. He married a Gentile. He died, and so his brother Onan married uh, Tamar, and then he died. And so Tamar came up with a scheme to dress up like a shrine prostitute and lure Judah in. And she did, and they had two children, Perez and Zerah, who are mentioned here. And when Judah found out about her deception, he even said, she is more righteous than I. So in this Tamar situation, you have things like greed, incest, immorality. Uh, you have, she's a Gentile, she's not a Jew. A most unlikely person to be included in this lineage. And then you have Rahab. Rahab is known as Rahab the harlot. She lied, and on top of that, she's a Canaanite. Three strikes, she should be out. I've never watched a batter at the plate strike out and the catcher catch each of the strikes and the umpire say you're out and the batter start walking to the dugout and the umpire say wait a minute I'm going to let you go to first base anyway I've never seen that once you're out you're out well she should be Rahab should be out but she's not out she's in well isn't that interesting a like unlikely person to be in and then we have Ruth who is in now Ruth came from Moab a Moabite a nation that was born out of incest. On top of that, she had a shady night at the feet of Boaz. And, but she's in here, another Gentile. And then you have Bathsheba, whose name is not even mentioned here. In fact, the sin, David said, my sin is ever before me. When he, when he talked to the Lord in Psalm 51 about his sin with Bathsheba. And here, I mean, look at this. You talk about sin on full display. Look at verse 6. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. The one he had killed, David killed her husband after he had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. And so this sin is ever in his face. She's not referred to here as the mother of Solomon or the wife of David, but the wife of Uriah. And Bathsheba is included here. And then you have Mary, the, Joseph, the husband of Mary. And man, what an odd way to begin a marriage. Because Joseph, 
unwilling to shame his wife, said, I'm going to divorce her quietly because while they were betrothed to one another, Mary became pregnant. Joseph said, we haven't been intimate. How did that happen? And then he had a dream, and the, God told him the Holy Spirit is the one by way she became pregnant with child, and so he took her as his wife. And what an odd way to start a marriage, right? So Mary is even included here, a young teenager who became pregnant out of wedlock. Very odd situation to be included here. But she's in there as well. And so you've got all these different folks from all these different walks of life, real people with real problems. You know, I was reading earlier this week, since March 2020, since COVID hit America, pornography viewing has gone up. Not down, up. Alcohol consumption is up. Suicide rates are up. Crime rates are up. I've talked to many, uh, several police officers who told me when the mask mandate come out, they, were, they experienced more robberies because people could cover up their face. Depression is up. Anxiety up. Marriage problems up. Fear is up. Hopelessness up. Crime rates up. Fatigue is up. Isolation up. Sadness up. Americans are sadder today than we've been in 50 years. Up, 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 up. Here's what's down. Church attendance, down. Bible engagement, down. Evangelism, down. Discipleship, down. Fellowship with other believers, down. Perhaps there's a correlation. Perhaps. We're real people, and we have real problems. But we're not alone. I mean, the birth of Messiah, after 400 years of silence, from Malachi to Matthew, God decides to bring His Son, His only begotten Son, through broken people like you and like me. That should give somebody some hope today. It should make somebody smile on the inside today. We need more husbands and wives. Listen, there's marriages listed here, and I know they struggled. I'm sure Mary and Joseph had fusses and fights. I'm sure they argued over which side of the bed, his or her, the phone charger would be plugged up in. I'm sure they did. They had their own problems. They had their own issues. I'm sure they argued about this, and they argued about that. So if you're here today and you're you're having marital issues and problems, there's hope. And here's here's how we handle it. We have to fight for our family and we have to fight for our marriages. We need more husbands like Joseph who was willing to be unwilling to shame his bride. And we need more ladies like Mary who submitted to her husband. I mean, she, she submitted to him. She went to Bethlehem. She went to worship at the temple. And remember that. I mean, here's, here's Mary and Joseph. They forgot Jesus at church, right? I mean, they, they had problems. They were broken. Please don't forget your child here today. I mean, we love children, but take them home. Right? I mean, they're broken, and they had problems, just like you are broken and have problems. No, no marriage is perfect. That's a myth. That is a myth. It, the myth is that good marriages don't have any problems. That's a myth. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't listen to that. What about children? What did Jesus do when he, he came as a child? You understand this. And in the ancient of days, you know, children were not named until they are about eight days old because they didn't know if they were going to die. They didn't know if they'd be discarded because they were a burden. They were a burden. They weren't a blessing. They were another mouth to feed. They were a burden. Sometimes I look at our nation, America, and think, man, we're, we're sending the message that children are a burden and not a blessing. We kill them and call it abortion. 
And then when, 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 when so many of them are delivered from the sex slave industry in our nation, it doesn't even make the news. It seems like, on the one hand, we think of them as a burden rather than a blessing. But here comes Jesus, the Christ, who came as a child. And he says, let the little children come to me, not hinder them, for the kingdom belongs to such as these. And then you have ladies who are not treated very well in this day. And Jesus comes and just flips the script. Although he was never married to a female, he flipped the script on how women were treated. And how women were treated. And how marriage was treated. They could just get divorced. Uh, we read in Scripture, they just got divorced. Whether they didn't like the cooking, they got divorced. No, Jesus has changed the script. He's flipped the script. Why? Because he came from real people with real problems. Because he came for us, people like you and me. So, hey, let me encourage you. This Wednesday night, 6 to 8 p.m., we are going to have a food giveaway on this campus. And we need your help. You can volunteer to help put boxes in people's cars as they come through. These are real people that have real problems that need you to pray with them. Ask them about how life is going. Ask them how they're dealing with COVID-19. Ask them if you can pray for them. Share the gospel with them. Great opportunity to engage our community this Wednesday night. We need your help. That's going to be our worship service. We're going to serve each other together right over here by the student center, meeting people right where they are. Here's the third reason that this genealogy is genius, and it's because it includes a praise, a real praise. I want you to look at verse 16 again. I just don't have time to walk through all these folks and their issues. So jump to verse 16, and here we go. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. If you study these names, you'll see in this list there are adulterers, there are polygamists, there are fornicators, there are cheaters, there are liars, uh, they are deceivers, they're not only Jews here, they're Gentiles, there's both male and female, there's rich and poor, kings and servants, but yet in the center of it all is Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus makes all the difference because he's the difference maker. Matthew, think about Matthew, the one that wrote this gospel. He was, you remember what Matthew did for a living according to the New Testament? He was a tax collector. He stole from the Jewish people. He patted his pockets as tax collectors did. And yet Jesus called him, saved him, called him, and told him to get some people together, and he wanted to come to their house, and so he did. And the people that he got together were the outcasts and the riffraff and the misfits. <laughs> And they praised God that His grace was even enough for them. And so all this genealogy does, it explodes with grace. You go read some of these Old Testament texts on some of these folks, and you'll realize, man, God included them. And you'll see God's grace just exploding off the pages, even in the Old Testament. I think about a movie some years ago called A Knight's Tale, about a, a knight who wanted to... Uh, to, to participate in a famous tournament his name was Ulrich but he had no royal blood in him at all so he shouldn't have been in the tournament at all and knights would have squires that would introduce them and the squire would read their genealogy that's what they would do to prove that they were a knight and so this particular knight squire got up and they didn't really have a true genealogy so he got up and said something like this sir Ulrich has great ancestors but these great men pale into insignificance next to him I do not list them to honor him I list him to honor them we give a lot of honor to Abraham and David. And we give a lot of honor to Mary. Some people even worship Mary. But I want you to know, they pale into insignificance compared to the one Jesus who is at the center of this genealogy. 
He is without sin. He is all man and he's all God. And he's all God and he's all man. He came unblemished. Tempted in every way yet without sin. Came from people like you and me because he came for people like you and me. We better start praising the Lord that our names are even mentioned here. We better praise God that because these broken names are mentioned here, these unpronounceable broken names are mentioned here because they're listed in this list, because they're written here in this genealogy, that means that your name and my name can be written in glory. That means that your name and my name can be written in heaven. And it can be in the Lamb's book of life. And somebody ought to praise God that your name's listed there. There's real praise here in this genealogy. Here's the fourth reason. It's just genius. Number four, there's a real purpose here. I don't want you to miss the purpose of the gospel. So look at verse 17. It starts this way. So all the generations. See that? Somebody say all. All the generations. The gospel ends in Matthew with make disciples of what? Of what nations? Just the Jewish nation? No, all nations, right? So we have this idea that from all generations Jesus came because he's going to all nations. That all peoples on the earth will be blessed through him. So what do we see when we look at all these generations? There were 42 generations here. And what do we see here? Well, we see a lot of brokenness. We see a lot of issues. But we also see a lot of nations. We see Gentile and Jew. Bathsheba could have been a Hittite. She might have been an Israelite, but her husband Uriah was a Hittite. So she could have been a Hittite. So you see Hittites, you see Canaanites, you see Moabites, and you see the nations. The nations are here. It's a global purpose that God has. He's not just the king of the Jews. He's the king of kings. And so what tears down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile? What tore that wall down? It's the blood of Christ. What tears down the wall of, between Peter and Cornelius is the same thing that will tear down the wall between you and a person of another race, ethnicity, gender. Go down the list. It's the blood of Christ. What pulls us together? We all come from different backgrounds. I'm a come here. I'm not a from here. I'm not from Tennessee. I'm a come here. Right? I'm from Mississippi. Right? We all come from different places, but we're brought together through the blood of Christ. It's the same blood of Christ that is the answer to every racial issue that we have. Every social justice or injustice that we have, the answer is Jesus Christ alone. In fact, one African-American pastor said this, just as the social gospel is not the real gospel, social justice is not real justice. Ed Stetzer says, justice without Jesus is just that. It is just us. And just us will never be enough. Jesus is the, and Jesus is not merely the Sunday school answer, right? He's the everyday answer every single day. So, is justice and injustice a real thing in our world? Absolutely. Should we love our neighbors ourselves? Please, please. Should we reach across ethnic and racial and gender lines and love one another? Yes, yes, yes. Should we hurt with people that are hurting? Yes. Should we stand with people 
and minorities? Yes. Through the gospel of Jesus, yes. In fact, the gospel says there are no more races. There are no more ethnicities. That there'll be people from every tribe and language and nation and people who are worshiping at the throne of God. So here's how we handle all the racial injustices and social injustices. Here's how we handle it. Just as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, they pray, Father, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to work for God's kingdom here on earth. For the kingdom is one where every, every tribe, every nation, every language, every people is represented at the throne room of God. So we do that by coming together. We do that by, by coming together and praising the Lord and serving the Lord together. So Friday, October the 2nd, we have an opportunity to do this in our city. We are one of many churches that will be partnering with other churches uh, from... Uh, from our city, and we'll have a night of worship on October the 2nd. It's a Friday at Camp Jordan. You can find details on our website and maybe even on the bridge, I think, uh, that you got in a text if you're on our 79969 text platform. And we're going to worship. And then after worship, they're going to have all these booths set up that you can go learn how you can link arms with other brothers and sisters in Christ across our city to reach our city for Christ. What a great opportunity to serve one another and to serve the Lord with one another. Here's the last reason that this gene genealogy is genius. Last one, it includes a real person. I got to, you, you know, David was real. You can, go to, you can go to Israel right now and they'll take you to a place where they say the bones of David lie. You can. This is where David's bones lie is what they claim. He was a real person. Now, if you go to Israel, you will not be taken to a place where they say, hey, Jesus, his bones lie right here. Now, there's different sites that they think where the tomb was, but they don't say the bones are here because the bones aren't there. You know why? Because he was raised from the dead, <laughs> bodily resurrected from the dead. And he's just as real, even more real, because he's God and man than David and Abraham. So all these names you read here, they're real people, and they really lived, and they really messed up. And they really, really believed God, and it was counted to them as righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Just as Rahab believed God, and it was counted to her as righteousness. This Jesus is a real person. This one who the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. He really did exist. He really did walk this earth. He was a real, breathing person. In fact, the Bible says when he died, he breathed his last. Why? Because he really breathed. He really walked. He really, in fact, he was so human when he was here, so human that he touched the untouchable. He touched people and they touched him. He was so holy and is so holy that he heals the unhealable. Again, he's all man yet all God and all God yet all man. He's the one who's willing to take any person in any generation and transfer you from being degenerate to regenerating you through the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's, he's real. He really did introduce me when I was introduced to him. He himself, God in the flesh, saved my soul. The, the Holy Spirit of God dwelt in my soul when I was 21 years of age because I turned from my sin and put my faith in Christ alone, by faith alone. And in that moment, at that moment, the Holy Spirit took up residence in my soul. 
And I've been forgiven ever since. Ever since I've been forgiven. And yes, I still sin and I confess that sin to God, but there is no losing of any kind of salvation whatsoever. Because this Jesus was real. His death was real. He really did walk this earth without sin. He really did go to the cross and die for your sin and mine. They really did nail nails in his hands and feet. He really did soak that cross with blood. He really did die and breathe his last and was laid in that tomb. And he really did come out of that tomb. And he really is alive. He has come and he's really coming again. He's a real person who really existed. Maggie Ross tells a story about Emma. Emma, this particular Emma, was a survivor of the Holocaust. This attempt to stamp out the Jewish, uh, the Jews. And so Emma suffered through that Holocaust. And after it, she would regularly attend, or regularly at 4 p.m. every day, she would go to this church, stand outside the building, and just scream insults at Jesus because of her suffering, just yelling at him. Well, one day the bishop walked out and met Emma and said, why don't you come on in and you can, you can tell Jesus how you feel. So she disappeared into the church. About an hour went by and the bishop didn't, wasn't hearing her screaming or hollering or anything and he wondered, where is she? So he's walking through the church and he, he comes to this particular cross and he looks at the foot of the cross and she's on, her, she's on her face before the cross. It has Jesus crucified on it. And she's laying there still. And he puts his hand on her right shoulder to see if she's okay. And she turned around and looked at him with tears in her eyes. This is what she said. After all, Jesus was a Jew too. Wow. A real person. He really was Jewish. He really was Emmanuel, which means God with us. He really did come from people like you and me. Because he really did come for people like you and like me. And, and that's our takeaway today. It's very simple yet extremely profound that Jesus came from the very people he came for. The people that he came from, this list of names, these lists of folks, are the very people he came for, broken people. Think about it. He came from Abraham. Now, in Luke 19, Jesus says of Zacchaeus, when salvation came to his house, Jesus made a comment about Zacchaeus, explaining why salvation came to his house. And he makes this statement. He says, Today salvation has come to this house since he, Zacchaeus, also is a son of Abraham. See, when God said all peoples will be blessed through Abraham, he wasn't joking. He was serious. So Jesus came from Abraham so he could come for you, ma'am, sir. That's why he came. He came from the adulterer and murderer David so he could come for murderers and adulterers who were hated. He came from a crooked and curved family tree so he could come for the undeserved and set us free. That's why he came. 
He came from families who were broken because he came for broken families. He came from men and women. You can read all about them right here and go to the Old Testament and read about them. He came from men and women who were in problem marriages because he came for people who were having marital problems. That's why he came. He came from the halls of human history because he came for every single human who would believe his story. Jesus came from the kings. Uh, many kings here did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Few of them did what was right in the eyes of the Lord in God. He, Christ came from these kings that were longing for their kingdoms because he came for his kin who belong in his kingdom. Jesus came from Obed by Ruth because he came for those who would believe that Jesus is not dead and his resurrection is proof. This is why Jesus came. He came from more than one race of people. He came from more than one tribe of people because he came for people from every tribe and every race. This is why he has come. Jesus has come from all these sinners in this bloodline search because he's come for all the sinners who make up online church. Jesus has come for every single person who will turn to him and believe on him for salvation. This is who he is. This genealogy is genius because the Savior has come and salvation has come with him. This is Jesus our Redeemer, our Lord, our Savior, the Anointed One, Messiah. He has come from every person in this gene pool so that He can come from every one of us who get on these screens and we act a fool. That's why He's come. He's come from these folks because He came for folks like you and like me. I mean, think about it. He came from Mary. The son Mary bore came to bear Mary's sins. Think about that. The child that Mary was found to be with is the Christ that is found to be with us. If Jesus whom God gave to save us despite our sin, if he came to that, then he can surely save anybody from their sin. You are not too far gone. Your past is not, does not have the last word when it comes to Christ. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the I am. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. He has the keys of death in Hades. He died and yet he's alive forevermore. And you can know him personally. And I pray today that you will. So maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I have never put my faith in Christ. I've never understood that Jesus died for me and instead of me and in my place. We sang a moment ago that his righteousness, our righteousness is in him and our hope is in him. And I've never thought through that before. And today I've realized that Christ died for me. Well, I want to tell you today you can be rescued if you're on campus or online, I want to encourage you right now to bow your heads all over this place and at home and pray with me. So everybody, let's pray. And if you say today, I've never put my faith in Christ, pray something like this. Father, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus came to pay the penalty of my sin. I believe he died and was raised to life. And today I confess my sin. I turn from it. I put my faith in Christ alone. I believe God today. I believe that Jesus is come to save his people, me, from my sin. Apply that to your life right now. And you'll be saved. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you shall be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed something similar to that in your heart, let me tell you something. If you've called on his name today for the very first time. We want to celebrate that with you. So text us. If you're in the room or not, text the name Jesus to 79969. If you want to come to these steps today and pray,
Maybe there's a husband and wife that want to come and and do that, or a family, or some teenagers, students, children. You want to come and pray? Please do that. I think we're I think we can social distance enough to do that. So you come and pray. If you'd rather just text us for a decision you made about membership in this church or a prayer request you have or a question you have, just text us, 79969. We've got folks ready to talk to you. So you come and respond. Maybe you just want to come and get on your face like uh, Emma did at the cross at that little church. And you just want to cry out to the Lord. You come and do that. It's time to respond to this good news and this gospel. So would you come as we stand and as we sing, you come. In Jesus' name.